Ashmedai, the king of demons. After King Solomon had ascended his father's throne, he called all his counselors together one day and addressed them as follows. As the wise and distinguished men of the people, you cannot but recognize that the time has now come when I have to discharge a deferred debt, which has been left to me as a legacy by my illustrious father, King David. It is the building of a temple to the glory and worship of the Most High God, which would gladly have been undertaken by my father were it not for the message he received through Nathan the prophet, that it was not to be he himself, but his son and successor, who should undertake the work. I now desire to discharge that holy duty and to erect a structure worthy of its exalted purpose, and consecrate it to Almighty God. The condition of things is propitious, peace rules supreme, there is no lack of ways and means, and Hiram of Tyre has, in fact, already received instructions to fell cedars in Lebanon, and marble and stone are also ready in abundance. But it requires your wise counsel to enable the building to proceed without the use of any iron. It would not be proper to employ an element of destruction in the erection of a structure which is to be dedicated to peace and harmony. At the end of the king's speech, the members of the court looked at one another in perplexity for a while. Then they began. Wise king and ruler, Moses, our teacher of blessed memory, found himself in similar perplexity when he wanted to engrave the names on the ephod, but the Spirit of God enlightened him. And he soon found the marvelous worm called Shomir, which possesses the wonderful power of cutting by a touch the hardest object known. If, O glorious king, you succeed in obtaining that wonderful insect, you will have no need of iron or element of destruction in the erection of the house which you wish to consecrate to the Most High God, and dedicate as the emblem of peace and harmony. The king's countenance brightened at this information, and lifting up his eyes heavenward, he said, Verily, O God of Israel, thou hast granted wisdom and knowledge to my people Israel. You, my friends, have given me new life and fresh spirit. Now, can you tell me where the wonderful insect is to be found, so that I may have it brought and may utilize its power? That, mighty ruler, replied the wise men, is beyond our ken, and we doubt whether it is within the knowledge of any mortal man. It is supposed that the Shomir has its home in wild and desolate places which have never been traversed by human foot. We are therefore not able to comply with your wish, but if you have the advice of a male and a female demon who traverse those wastes, we doubt not that they will be able to throw more light on this dark mystery. Solomon, then sent to Sichon, the rendezvous of demons, had a male and a female demon brought before him, and addressed them as follows. It is said of you that you have a knowledge of mysteries which we do not possess. Tell me, therefore, where I could obtain that wonderful insect known as Shomir. They replied, We are aware of the existence of the marvelous Shomir, but are unable to give anything like a near description of its abode. That is only known to our king and great master, Ashmedai. He alone would be able to gratify your wish. And Solomon said, Where is the abode of your king and great master? His home, was the answer, is on a high mountain, far, very far from Jerusalem, in a lovely and beautiful spot. There he has a well filled with cold, clear water, covered with a wooden slab sealed with his seal. Every day he leaves his terrestrial abode and flies heavenward to hear the songs of the angels, who sing praises to the great God. Being refreshed with the heavenly hymns, he searches through the heavens, and casts his eyes on the various spheres within his view, and toward evening he returns to his abode. Arriving there, he looks carefully at the seal of his well to see that it has not been tampered with, and, finding it all right, he lifts the slab and refreshes himself with the cooling and refreshing liquid. More than this, O mighty king, we are not permitted to impart to you concerning our king and master. For a long time King Solomon allowed his eyes to wander about his great room, and at last fixed them on a youth amongst the assembly, a youth of powerful frame and lovely appearance, and with an expression of the most resolute and keenest spirit in his countenance. Benihu, son of Jehodiah, 
exclaimed the king. Long have I known you as the most courageous in all my legions. See now what a magnificent opportunity to prove the truth of the opinion I have formed of you. Will you venture to bring Ashmedai as a captive to me, and by such heroic deed not only to make yourself a hero amongst your people, but to do a great service to the holy cause of your religion? I will venture, cried the youth, any task your majesty may honor me with, his eyes shining brightly with delight. God be with you, said the king. He knows that we do all this to glorify his name. May he guide you and bless your undertaking. Benaihu left the assembly, and at his orders a chain was given to him upon every link of which was engraved the unspeakable name of God in the Chaldean language. He also ordered for his journey a large quantity of lamb's wool, spades and shovels, and a pipe of the most exquisite wine of the vines of Baal Hamon, a famous vineyard, the property of King Solomon. Thus equipped, Benaihu started with a few followers on the perilous expedition. After a long and adventurous journey through the desert, he reached the lovely spot on the mountain which is the home of Ashmedai. On the top of the mountain grew a cluster of lovely palms, on which an eternal summer seemed to rest. At its foot ran a clear brook, teeming with fish of all sorts. On the slope of the mountain could be seen the well of the great Ashmedai, as described by the two demons. Benaihu mused a long while, then he said to his followers, My friends, we have now reached our destination, but not our aim. Now let us bear in mind that muscular power is now of no use to us when we have to deal with the master of demons. But God has granted us discernment and understanding, and with these divine gifts it should not be impossible to prevail over the mighty king of the demons. If only we contrive to empty his well of the water and fill it with the wine we have brought with us, then our task is an easy one. But to effect this is a formidable difficulty, because we must not lift the slab and break the seal, or we defeat our purpose. He then commenced, during Ashmedai's absence, to dig a pit under the well, and connected the two by boring a small tunnel, so that the water from Ashmedai's well ran into the newly made pit. Then he stopped up the small tunnel completely with the lamb's wool. Then a similar pit was dug above the well, and also connected with Ashmedai's well. The wine was poured in here, and found its way into the well. After this he had every possible trace of the fresh digging removed, and ordered his companions to go away from the place but he climbed up one of the many palm trees and sat there to watch events. When the shadows of the evening lengthened, there was a fiery flush through the skies, and there came with it a monstrous creature with black wings, which gradually let itself down to the earth. Ashmedai, for he it was, looked long on the seal of the well, and finding it untouched, broke it, lifted up the slab, and was about to refresh himself with the contents of the well. When he detected that it contained wine instead of the refreshing liquid which he had husbanded, he turned in disgust from it, exclaiming, Wine is a mocker, and every intoxicant confuses the senses. No, your flattering sweetness shall not lead me astray, as well would I suffer the tortures of unquenched thirst, as have your exquisite taste upon my palate. But after a while Ashmedai could not any longer withstand his craving for some liquid, if only to moisten his lips. And he said to himself, If I only sip at the accursed stuff, it will have no power over me. I will touch of it no more than is sufficient to moisten my burning tongue. He drank at first very sparingly, but it was very, very sweet, and it seemed to give him a brightness and freshness he had never experienced before. Only a little, very little more, he said, not sufficient to overmaster me. But this very little was followed by few more very littles, till he became quite intoxicated and fell asleep. This was quite satisfactory to the concealed young hero, who, climbing down from his hiding place, went cautiously forward until he reached the sleeping demon over whose neck he threw the chain with the name of God engraved on every link. Ashmedai slept till the early hours of the morning, when he found himself heavily fettered, scarcely able to turn round on his bed. 
He looked for heavy manacles but found only a fragile chain round his neck, which he could not credit with such immense power. He tried his utmost to snap the frail thing but without success. He roared terribly so that the very air was filled with the violent noise. Oh, set me free! Who will set me free from this hellish burden? No one, came the answer from the hitherto hidden Banaihu. All your efforts are fruitless. You are fettered. Not indeed with iron manacles, only with a chain of softer metals, but that has the name of God engraved on it. And in the name of God you are my captive. Ashmedai, on hearing Banaihu's words, became quiet and resigned to his situation. One of Banaihu's men was ordered to take charge of him, and like a tamed lion he was led forth. Ashmedai's concealed courage exhibited itself now and then on a journey toward Jerusalem. As they passed one day a gigantic palm tree, he asked for a rest under its shade, and when this was granted he rubbed himself so violently against it that it was uprooted. Thereupon he passed a hut, the property of a poor widow, and was about to demolish it when the woman, seeing the giant about to lean against the frail walls of her home, prevailed upon him to spare her hut. One day they met a blind man who became entangled among some bushes and could not find his way out. Ashmedai took the man by the hand and led him out of his perplexed situation into the highway. So also they met a man in his cups, who was nearing a precipice into which he was about to fall, when his demoniac majesty hastened to get him out of danger's way, and placed him in a safe road. They passed one day through a town where he heard a man calling out to a shoemaker, Hida, friend, can you make me a pair of boots to last me seven years? Ashmedai burst out laughing at this. They met also a wedding party, with music accompanying them. Ashmedai wept. They saw a wizard sitting on a large stone telling a patronizing clientele their future fate, and again Ashmedai laughed. Benaihu was curious to know the motives of the demon's conduct, but he could not be persuaded to explain himself, and said he reserved the explanation for King Solomon himself. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Benaihu brought his captive triumphantly before Solomon, who was sitting on his throne surrounded by his counselors and elders. At the entrance of Ashmedai they rose from their magnificent divans. Ashmedai, however, in great excitement and anger, took a long staff, and, marking round himself a space of four yards in circumference, and pointing to King Solomon, exclaimed, Look at this man, a king of dust and ashes. When he died, nothing will be his beyond a space of earth the size of which I have just marked out, yet he is not satisfied to have subjected all his neighbors and all the kingdoms as his tributaries, but he must needs try to wrench the scepter from the king of the spirits. Otherwise, why have you, O great king, brought such contempt and dismay upon me? Be not angry with me, returned Solomon, king of spirits, and be assured that conquest is not the object of your captivity. It is a matter appertaining to the glory of my God, who is also your God. Tell me then where I can obtain the marvelous Shomir, of which I have need to cleave the marble and stones for the house of God. If that is the object, returned Ashmedai, pacified and reassured by Solomon's reconciling words, then I willingly submit to my hard fate and will also tell you where and how to obtain the much-sought Shomir. The Shomir belongs to the Lord over all seas and waters, but he has entrusted it for safekeeping to a mountain bird in the desert. This bird is to be found in the desert on a very steep barren hill. There in a cliff it has bored out a hole and keeps the Shomir, which was created in the evening of the sixth day of creation, before the Sabbath was proclaimed. The services of the young hero Benaihu were again called into requisition. Solomon addressed the youth with his wanted eloquence, referring to the services he had rendered in the past, and entertaining no doubt of the hero's willingness to render this consummate national service of obtaining the Shomir, the reward for which his royal master would not bestow niggardly or begrudgingly. Benaihu replied by a profound bow before his majesty, and left the palace to prepare at once for his hazardous journey. 
There was no need for details of the hardships the young hero had to encounter on his journey. Where there was not a blade of grass, a drop of water, or a shade for shelter from the merciless rays of the scorching sun. Nor is it necessary to relate all of his adventures, and all the subtle designs adopted to wrest the Shomir from its guard. Suffice it to say that the hardships and adventures of our hero were rewarded by success, and the Shomir was at last in Jerusalem. Needless to say, there were great joy and festivity in the holy city, and the work which lasted seven years now began in earnest, that of erecting without iron or any other metal a structure for the worship of the God of Israel, a structure which was the admiration of the world, and which has never been equaled in majesty and splendor. Ashmedai, the mighty king of demons, was all these years held captive by Solomon in Jerusalem. He was very desirous to be informed by the chief of the demons concerning the mystic spheres, but during the building of the temple he was too much occupied with the sacred business to be able to spare time for anything else. After the consecration of the holy edifice, Solomon had Ashmedai brought before him and explained the reason of his prolonged captivity, requesting him at the same time, first of all, to explain to him his inexplicable conduct whilst on the way to Jerusalem. What, for instance, prompted you to guide the blind man into safety when he was entangled in a bush? Surely it could not have been compassion, a virtue to which a demon is a stranger, Ashmedai replied. That blind man is the most pious and righteous man, and I heard it proclaimed in the higher spheres that great reward should be his who should render that man a service. And why did you lead the drunken man into the road away from the precipice into which he was walking? That man, said Ashmedai, is very wicked, and if he deserves any reward for, for ever having done anything but evil, he should receive it here on earth. And what provoked your laughter when you heard a man inquire for boots to last him seven years? Simply, said the master of demons, that the man had but seven days more on earth. Why did you weep on meeting a bridal party with its music? Mighty king of Israel, exclaimed Ashmedai, this very moment the last shred of flesh is not off the bones of that bridegroom. He died five days after I met the wedding party. Last of all, demanded Solomon, what was the cause of your laughter on seeing the wizard with the people who consulted him? Why should I not laugh when I saw a stupid person who professed to remove the veil of the hidden future, whilst he knew not that under the stone on which he was sitting there was hidden a kingly treasure? King Solomon now intimated by a gesture that he wished to be left alone with the king of the demons, and all his counselors, ministers, and high officials surrounding his throne left the palatial room. When the king was alone with Ashmedai, he addressed him as follows. The fact that I carefully excluded all my advisers from hearing what there is between us will have shown you that I have an important matter upon which I crave information from you. I therefore want you, O Ashmedai, whose power is infinitely above mine, because you know what is going on in the higher as well as in the lower spheres, to tell me my own future. Ashmedai betrayed a satirical smile and said, It is perhaps not to be wondered at that a monarch as wise and mighty on earth as you are, who has acquired almost all the knowledge that it is possible for a mortal man to possess, should long for knowledge of the supernatural from the region of the unseen. But I must advise you to desist from this ambition. It will not be of any use or pleasure to you. No, insisted Solomon, nothing will induce me to abstain from increasing my knowledge. For it is that, and not silver or gold, that I have set my heart upon. If my advice is to no purpose, said Ashmedai, I will proceed to open for you the hidden secrets. But it will be necessary to release me from the chain I had put round me when I was made captive. And you will, instead, have to give me the chain that adorns your majesty's neck, and the ring with the name of God on it, which lies on the table before you. Solomon did as suggested, took off his chain and put it on Ashmedai's neck, and placed the ring on his hand. Scarcely had the master of the demons closed his hand on the ring handed him by Solomon, a thunderclap passed through the room which made the whole place vibrate. At the same moment, Ashmedai seemed to have grown into a terrible giant.
His eyes looked like two great gleaming fires. His arms extended to enormous proportions, and looked as though they would catch hold of the extreme ends of the earth. Solomon trembled at the sight. His heart seemed to stand still from terror, and he was about to call for help. But his whole body was paralyzed, his tongue refused its duty, and in the midst of this he was seized by Ashmedai by arm and neck and thrown into the air, and he became senseless. The men who had quitted the throne room at King Solomon's bidding were all the time impatiently awaiting the summons back to their king and master, but they remained in the ante-room longer than they had ever had to wait. When at last they received the glad tidings and the monarch summoned them to his presence, they found on entering the throne room King Solomon sitting as usual on his throne. They expressed their surprise at the absence of Ashmedai, whom they had left in the room on retiring, but no answer was vouchsafed to them. The king, however, took up the thread of the conversation on the subject upon which he was consulting when they retired from the room, yet they detected a marked change in the tone of the king's words, which lacked that mildness and gentleness for which the wise Solomon was so renowned. Some of the ministers ventured to ask his majesty for the reason of this change, but instead of a reply they received a sardonic laugh. It occurred to some of the wise men that this might not be King Solomon, but Ashmedai, the king of demons, who usurped their monarch's position, but who could give expression to that dreadful thought? King Solomon had been thrown by Ashmedai no less a distance than 400 miles from Jerusalem. For a long time he lay in the open field, unconscious. As consciousness returned and he opened his eyes, he took in the situation. But happily his wisdom had not failed, amongst his other great qualities, to bestow on him the habit of practicing abstinence in the midst of his splendor and he occasionally used to subject himself to actual hunger and deprive himself of the necessities of life so as to cultivate the habit of wanting things and not having them. He now made up his mind to face his great calamity in the best way possible, and resolved that, if need were, he would be bent but not broken totally by it. As a beggar he traversed the land over which he ruled with, with such splendor and power, and he was often thrown on the mercy of one of his humblest subjects. Yet in the midst of this great sorrow he proclaimed himself, wherever he came, the great Kohaleth, king of Jerusalem. No wonder that he was everywhere looked upon as insane. But he struggled hard to make his way to Jerusalem, which he eventually reached, and on his arrival at his metropolis he asked to be brought before the Sanhedrin. He repeated to the Sanhedrin his assertion that he was King Solomon, and related to them all the events that had happened to him. His statement was received by the Sanhedrin, if not with derision, still with great mistrust and incredulity, and they were about to declare him insane, when one of the Sanhedrin, wiser and bolder than the others, rose and spoke as follows. Friends and worthy colleagues, whom the Lord is graced with wisdom and understanding, it will not be difficult for you to comprehend that anyone afflicted with insanity would not be able to make so coherent a statement, as we have now heard, but would wander about in his assertions incoherently from one subject to another. Now this man who asserts himself to be King Solomon, has not spoken one incoherent word, and has given no indication of his insanity, except his assertion in general that he is the great king, our master, and that assertion he made coherently enough. Besides this, there is no reason whatever, either in his demeanor, gesture, or speech, to condemn him as insane. Would it be consistent with justice, as shown to us by our great lawgiver, to conclude that this man is insane simply because he claims the throne as his own? without further investigation as to who is the one who now occupies the throne as King Solomon? Moreover, can we overlook the fact that when we left the throne room, there were two individuals, and when we returned, one had disappeared, without our being able to comprehend how that happened? My advice is that we request Topos, one of King Solomon's many wives, that when the present king pays her a visit, she may notice his feet, and on her report on this, you can form your judgment in this matter. 
The Sanhedrin fell in with this suggestion, and when they appealed to Topo, she reported that the king, her husband, never entered her chamber without a cover over his feet. The Sanhedrin requested her to try and remove the covering from her husband's feet at the next opportunity. Topos did as requested by the Sanhedrin and reported that, to her amazement and disgust, she found her husband's feet to resemble those of a cock. Footnote. Demons resemble man in these respects. They eat and drink, are fruitful and multiply and die. But they also somewhat resemble angels insofar as they have wings, flying to and fro all the world over like angels, and knowing a little of the secrets of the higher spheres, not quite as much as angels, but generally the fate of men is known to them. Hence Ashmedai knew the fate of those he met on his way to Jerusalem. And footnote 143. The rabbis say that the feet of demons resemble those of a cock. The Sanhedrin were now concerned to have Ashmedai stripped of the chain and the ring by which he had subtly obtained the throne from King Solomon. In this they succeeded through a confidential servant of the demon, and these precious and holy things were handed over to the rightful owner, the real King Solomon, who now re-entered upon his glorious throne. The wise king had the chief of the demons brought before him and exhibited to him the chain and the ring. The demon, amidst a peal of thunder, made his escape from the palace and was seen no more. Solomon was again in his former greatness, but was till the end of his days in terror of demons. Hence he had sixty of the most valiant men of his army surrounding his bed. Testament of Solomon Translated by F. C. Conebert Testament of Solomon, son of David, who was king in Jerusalem, and mastered and controlled all spirits of the air, on the earth and under the earth. By means of them also he wrought all the transcendent works of the temple, telling also of the authorities they wield against men, and by what angels these demons are brought to naught. Of the sage Solomon Blessed art thou, O Lord God, who didst give Solomon such authority. Glory to thee and might unto the ages. Amen. And behold, when the temple of the city of Jerusalem was being builded, and the artificers were working thereat, Ornias the demon came among them toward sunset, and he took away half of the pay of the chief divisor's little boy, as well as half his food. He also continued to suck the thumb of his right hand every day and the child grew thin, although he was very much loved by the king. So King Solomon called the boy one day, and questioned him, saying, Do I not love thee more than all the artisans who are working in the temple of God? Do I not give thee double wages and a double supply of food? How is it that day by day and hour by hour thou growest thinner? But the child said to the king, I pray thee, O king, listen to what has befallen all that thy child hath. After we are all released from our work on the temple of God, after sunset, when I lie down to rest, one of the evil demons comes and takes away from me one half of my pay and one half of my food. Then he also takes hold of my right hand and sucks my thumb. And lo, my soul is oppressed, and so my body waxes thinner every day. Now when I, Solomon, heard this, I entered the temple of God and prayed with all my soul night and day that the demon might be delivered into my hands and that I might gain authority over him. And it came about through my prayer that grace was given to me from the Lord Sabbath by Michael his archangel. He brought me a little ring, having a seal consisting of an engraved stone. And he said to me, 
Take, O Solomon, king, son of David, the gift which the Lord has sent thee, the highest Sabaoth. With it thou shalt lock up all demons of the earth, male and female, and with their help thou shalt build up Jerusalem. Thou wear the seal of God, and this engraving of the seal of ring sent thee is a pentalpha. And I, Solomon, was overjoyed, and praised and glorified the God of heaven and earth. And on the morrow I called the boy, and gave him the ring, and said to him, Take this, and at the hour in which the demon shall come unto thee, throw this ring at the chest of the demon, and say to him, In the name of God, King Solomon calls thee hither. And then do thou come running to me, without having any misgivings or fear, in respect of aught thou mayest hear on the part of the demon. So the child took the ring and went off. And behold, at the customary hour, Ornias, the fierce demon, came like a burning fire to take the pay from the child. But the child, according to the instructions received from the king, threw the ring at the chest of the demon and said, King Solomon calls thee hither. And then he went off at a run to the king. But the demon cried out aloud, saying, Child, why hast thou done this to me? Take the ring off me, and I will render to thee the gold of the earth. Only take this off me, and forbear to lead me away to Solomon. But the child said to the demon, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, I will not brook thee. So come hither. And the child came at a run, rejoicing to the king, and said, I have brought the demon, O king, as thou didst command me, O my master. And behold, he stands before the gates of the court of thy palace, crying out and supplicating with a loud voice, offering me the silver and gold of the earth, if I will only bring him unto thee. And when Solomon heard this, he rose up from his throne and went outside into the vestibule of the court of his palace. And there he saw the demon, shuddering and trembling. And he said to him, Who art thou? And the demon answered, I am called Ornias. And Solomon said to him, Tell me, O demon, to what zodiacal sign thou art subject? And he answered, To the water-pourer, and those who are consumed with desire for the noble virgins upon earth. These I strangle. But in case there is no disposition to sleep, I am changed into three forms. Whenever men come to be enamored of women, I metamorphose myself into a comely female, and I take hold of the men in their sleep, and play with them. And after a while I again take to my wings and hide me to the heavenly regions. I also appear as a lion, and I am commanded by all the demons. I am offspring of the archangel Uriel, the power of God. I, Solomon, having heard the name of the archangel, prayed and glorified God, the Lord of heaven and earth. And I sealed the demon and set him to work at stone cutting, so that he might cut the stones in the temple, which, lying along the shore, had been brought by the sea of Arabia. But he, fearful of the iron, continued and said to me, I pray thee, King Solomon, let me go free, and I will bring you all the demons. And as he was not willing to be subject to me, I prayed the archangel Uriel to come and succor me. And I forthwith beheld the archangel Uriel coming down to me from the heavens. And the angel bade the whales of the sea come out of the abyss. And he cast his destiny upon the ground. And that destiny made subject to him the great demon. And he commanded the great demon and bold Ornias to cut stones at the temple. And accordingly I, Solomon, glorified the God of heaven and maker of the earth. And he bade Ornias come with his destiny and gave him the seal, saying, Away with thee, and bring me hither the prince of all the demons. So Ornias took the finger ring, and went off to Beelzebul, who has kingship over the demons. He said to him, Hither, Solomon calls thee. But Beelzebul, having heard, said to him, Tell me, who is this Solomon of whom thou speakest to me? Then Ornias threw the ring at the chest of Beelzebul, saying, Solomon the king calls thee. 
But Beelzebul cried aloud with a mighty voice, and shot out a great burning flame of fire, and he arose and followed Ornias, and came to Solomon. And when I saw the prince of demons, I glorified the Lord God, maker of heaven and earth. And I said, Blessed art thou, Lord God Almighty, who hast given to Solomon thy servant wisdom, the assessor of the wise, and has subjected unto me all the power of the devil. And I questioned him and said, Who art thou? The demon replied, I am Beelzebub, the exarch of the demons, and all the demons have their chief seats close to me, and I it is who make manifest the apparition of each demon. And he promised to bring to me in bonds all the unclean spirits. And I again glorified the God of heaven and earth, as I do always give thanks to him. I then asked of the demon if there were females among them, and when he told me that there were, I said that I desired to see them. So Beelzebul went off at high speed, and brought unto me Onoscalus, that had a very pretty shape, and the skin of a fair-hued woman, and she tossed her head. And when she was come, I said to her, Tell me who art thou? But she said to me, I am called Onoscalus, a spirit wrought of the Shabtai of Saturn, lurking upon the earth. There is a golden cave where I lie, but I have a place that ever shifts. At one time I strangle men with a golden noose. At another I creep up from the nature to the arms, through worms. But my most frequent dwelling place are the precipices, caves, ravines. Oftentimes, however, do I consort with men in the semblance of a woman, and above all with those of a dark skin. For they share my star with me, since they it is who privately or openly worship my star, without knowing that they harm themselves, and but whet my appetite for further mischief. For they wish to provide money by means of memory or commemoration, but I supply a little to those who worship me fairly. And I Solomon questioned her about her birth, and she replied, I was born of a voice untimely, the so-called echo of a man's ordure dropped in a wood. For the demon born of an echo we have an analogue in the Hebrew bath coal, the daughter of a voice, in the Gnostic hymn to Hermes. And I said to her, Under what star dost thou pass? And she answered me, under the star of the full moon, for the reason that the moon travels over most things. Then I said to her, And what angel is it that frustrates thee? And she said to me, He that in thee, or through thee, is reigning. And I thought that she mocked me, and bade a soldier strike her. But she cried aloud and said, I am subjected to thee, O king, by the wisdom of God given to thee, and by the angel Joel. So I commanded her to spin the hemp for the ropes used in the building of the house of God. And accordingly, when I had sealed and bound her, she was so overcome and brought to naught as to stand night and day spinning the hemp. And I at once bade another demon to be led unto me, and instantly there approached me the demon Asmodeus, bound, and I asked him, Who art thou? But he shot on me a glance of anger and rage, and said, And who art thou? And I said to him, Thus punished as thou art, answerest thou me? But he with rage said to me, but how shall I answer thee, for thou art a son of man, whereas I was born an angel's seed by a daughter of man, so that no word of our heavenly kind addressed to the earthborn can be overweening. Wherefore also my star is bright in heaven, and men call it, some the wane, and some the dragon's child. I keep near unto the star. So ask me not many things, for thy kingdom also after a little time is to be disrupted, and thy glory is but for a season, and short will be thy tyranny over us and then we shall again have free range over mankind. 
so as that they shall revere us as if we were gods, not knowing, men that they are, the names of the angels set over us. And I, Solomon, on hearing this, bound him more carefully, and ordered him to be flogged with thongs of oxhide, and to tell me humbly what was his name and what his business. And he answered me thus, I am called Asmodeus among mortals, and my business is to plot against the newly wedded, so that they may not know one another. And I sever them utterly by many calamities, and I waste away the beauty of virgin women, and estrange their hearts. And I said to him, Is this thy only business? And he answered me, I transport men into fits of madness and desire, when they have wives of their own, so that they leave them, and go off by night and day to others that belong to other men, with the result that they commit sin, and fall into murderous deeds. And I adjured him by the name of the Lord Sabaoth, saying, Fear God, Asmodeus, and tell me by what angel thou art frustrated. But he said, By Raphael, the archangel that stands before the throne of God. But the liver and gall of a fish put me to flight, when smoked over ashes of the tamarisk. I again asked him and said, Hide not aught from me, for I am Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Tell me the name of the fish which thou reverest. And he answered, It is the Glanos by name, and is found in the rivers of Assyria. Wherefore it is that I roam about in those parts. And I said to him, Hast thou nothing else about thee, Ismodius? And he answered, The power of God knoweth, which hath bound me with the indissoluble bonds of yonder one seal, that whatever I have told thee is true. I pray thee, King Solomon, condemn me not to go into water. But I smiled and said to him, As the Lord God of my fathers liveth, I will lay iron on thee to wear. But thou shalt also make the clay for the entire construction of the temple, treading it down with thy feet. And I ordered them to give him ten water jars to carry in. And the demon groaned terribly and did the work I ordered him to do. And this I did because that fierce demon Asmodeus knew even the future. And I, Solomon, glorified God, who gave wisdom to me, Solomon, his servant. And the liver of the fish and its gall I hung on the spike of a reed, and burned it over Asmodeus because of his being so strong, and his unbearable malice was thus frustrated. And I summoned again to stand before me Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And I sat him down on a raised seat of honor and said to him, Why art thou alone, prince of the demons? And he said to me, because I alone am left of the angels of heaven that came down. For I was first angel, in the first heaven being entitled Beelzebul, and now I control all those who are bound in Tartarus. But I too have a child, and he haunts the Red Sea. And on any suitable occasion he comes up to me again, being subject to me, and reveals to me what he has done, and I support him. I, Solomon, said unto him, Beelzebul, what is thy employment? And he answered me, I destroy kings, I ally myself with foreign tyrants, and my own demons I set unto men, in order that the latter may believe in them and be lost. And the chosen servants of God, priests and faithful men, I excite unto desires for wicked sins, and evil heresies, and lawless deeds, and they obey me, and I bear them unto destruction. And I inspire men with envy, and desire for murder, and for wars and sodomy, and other evil things, and I will destroy the world. So I said to him, Bring to me thy child, who is, as thou sayest, in the Red Sea. But he said to me, I will not bring him to thee, but there shall come to me another demon called Ephipas. Him will I bind, 
and he will bring him up from the deep unto me. And I said to him, How comes thy son to be in the depth of the sea, and what is his name? And he answered me, Ask me not, for thou canst not learn from me. However, he will come to thee by any command, and will tell thee openly. I said to him, Tell me by what angel thou art frustrated. And he answered, By the holy and precious name of the Almighty God, called by the Hebrews by a row of numbers, of which the sum is 644. And among the Greeks it is Emmanuel. And if one of the Romans adjure me by the great name of the power Eliith, I disappear at once. I, Solomon, was astounded when I heard this, and I ordered him to saw up Theban marbles. And when he began to saw the marbles, the other demons cried out with a loud voice, howling because of their king, Beelzebul. But I, Solomon, questioned him, saying, If thou wouldst gain a respite, discourse to me about the things in heaven. And Beelzebul said, Hear, O king, if thou burn gum and incense and bulb of the sea with nard and saffron, and light seven lamps in an earthquake, thou wilt firmly fix thy house. And if, being pure, thou light them at dawn and the sun alight, then wilt thou see the heavenly dragons, and how they wind themselves along and drag the chariot of the sun. And I, Solomon, having heard this, rebuked him and said, Silence for this present, and continue to saw the marbles as I commanded thee. And I, Solomon, praised God, and commanded another demon to present himself to me. And one came before me who carried his face high up in the air, but the rest of the spirit curled away like a snail. And it broke through the few soldiers, and raised also a terrible dust on the ground, and carried it upwards, and then again hurled it back to frighten us, and asked what questions I could ask as a rule. And I stood up, and spat on the ground in that spot, and sealed with the ring of God, and forthwith the dust wind stopped. Then I asked him, saying, Who art thou, O wind? Then he once more shook up a dust, and answered me, What wouldst thou have, King Solomon? I answered him, Tell me what thou art called, and I would fain ask thee a question. But so far I give thanks to God who has made me wise to answer their evil plots. But the demon answered me, I am the spirit of the ashes, Tephras. And I said to him, What is thy pursuit? And he said to me, I bring darkness on men, and set fire to fields, and I bring homesteads to naught. But most busy am I in summer. However, when I get an opportunity, I creep into corners of the wall by night and day, for I am offspring of the Great One and nothing less. Accordingly I said to him, Under what star dost thou lie? And he answered, In the very tip of the moon's horn, when it is found in the south, there is my star. For I have been bidden to restrain the convulsions of the Hematurtian fever. And this is why many men pray to the Hematurtian fever, using these three names, Bultala, Thalal, Melchal, and I heal them. And I said to him, I am Solomon. When, therefore, thou wouldst do harm, by whose aid dost thou do it? But he said to me, By the angels, by whom also the third day's fever is lulled to rest. So I questioned him and said, And by what name? And he answered, That of the archangel Azael. And I summoned the archangel Azael and set a seal on the demon, and commanded him to seize great stones and tossed them up to the workmen on the higher parts of the temple. And, being compelled, the demon began to do what he was bidden to do. And I glorified God afresh, who gave me this authority, and ordered another demon to come before me. And there came seven spirits, females, bound and woven together, fair in appearance and comely. 
And I, Solomon, seeing them, questioned them and said, Who are ye? But they, with one accord, said with one voice, We are of the thirty-three elements of the cosmic ruler of the darkness. And the first said, I am deception. The second said, I am strife. The third, I am clothod, which is battle. The fourth, I am jealousy. The fifth, I am power. The sixth, I am error. The seventh, I am the worst of all, and our stars are in heaven. Seven stars humble in sheen, and all together. And we are called, as it were, goddesses. We change our place all and together, and together we live. Sometimes in Lydia, sometimes in Olympus, sometimes in a great mountain. The Pleiades seem to be referred to. In the Revised Version, Canst thou bind the cluster of the Pleiades? In Job, they had a malign influence. The grouping of evil spirits by sevens is common in Babylonian and Jewish lore. As examples, I may cite the Testamentum of Reuben and the seven evil spirits of the New Testament. Possibly as well the seven planets are in question. Romans 15.6 has the same phrase. For 33, we should read 36 elements. The numerical value 36, Lamech Vav. So I, Solomon, questioned them one by one, beginning with the first, and going down to the seventh. The first said, I am deception. I deceive and weave snares here and there. I wet and excite heresies. But I have an angel who frustrates me, Lamech Alal. Likewise, also the second said, I am strife, strife of strifes. I bring timbers, stones, hangers, my weapons on the spot. But I have an angel who frustrates me, Baruchiakel. Likewise, also the third said, I am called Clothod, which is battle, and I cause the well-behaved to scatter and fall foul one of the other. And why do I say so much? I have an angel that frustrates me, Marmarath. Likewise, also the fourth said, I cause men to forget their sobriety and moderation. I part them and split them into parties, for strife follows me hand in hand. I rend the husband from the sharer of his bed, and children from parents, and brothers from sisters. But why tell so much to my despite? I have an angel that frustrates me, the great Balthiel. Likewise also the fifth said, I am power. By power I raise up tyrants and tear down kings. To all rebels I furnish power. I have an angel that frustrates me, Astaroth. Likewise also the sixth said, I am error, O King Solomon, and I will make thee to err, as I have before made thee to err. When I cause thee to slay thy own brother, I will lead you into error so as to pry into graves. And I teach them that dig, and I lead errant souls away from all piety. And many other evil traits are mine, but I have an angel that frustrates me, Uriel. First chapter in the Testament of Simeon, chapter 3, 2, see 1 Kings, 2nd 25, a reference to necromancy, of which the object was to oblige the spirit of the dead to enter oneself. Likewise also the seventh said, I am the worst, and I make thee worse off than thou wast, because I will impose the bonds of Artemis, but the locust will set me free, for by means thereof is it fated that thou shalt achieve my desire. For if one were wise, he would not turn his steps toward me. This refers to the closing incident narrated in the Testament, the sacrificing by Solomon of five locusts to Moloch. So I, Solomon, having heard and wondered, sealed them with my ring. And since they were so considerable, I bade them dig the foundations of the temple of God. 
for the length of it was two hundred fifty cubits. And I bade them be industrious, and with one murmur of joint protest they began to perform the tasks enjoined. And I solemn glorified the Lord, and bade another demon come before me. And there was brought to me a demon having all the limbs of a man, but without a head. And I, seeing him, said to him, Tell me, who art thou? And he answered, I am a demon. So I said to him, Which? And he answered me, I am called Envy, for I delight to devour heads, being desirous to secure for myself a head. But I do not eat enough, but am anxious to have such a head as thou hast. I, Solomon, on hearing this, sealed him, stretching out my hand against his chest. Whereon the demon leapt up, and threw himself down, and gave a groan, saying, Woe is me! Where am I come to? O traitor Ornias, I cannot see! So I said to him, I am Solomon. Tell me then how thou dost manage to see. And he answered me, By means of my feelings. I then, Solomon, having heard his voice come up to me, asked him how he managed to speak. And he answered me, I, O King Solomon, am holy voice, for I have inherited the voices of many men. For in the case of all men who are called dumb, I it is who smashed their heads when they were children, and had reached their eighth day. Then when a child is crying in the night, I become a spirit, and glide by means of his voice. In the crossways also I have many services to render, and my encounter is fraught with harm. For I grasp in all instant a man's head, and with my hands as with a sword I cut it off, and put it on to myself, and in this way by means of the fire which is in me, through my neck it is swallowed up. I it is that sends grave mutilations and incurable on men's feet, and inflicts sores. And I, Solomon, on hearing this, said to him, Tell me how thou dost discharge forth the fire? Out of what sources dost thou emit it? And the spirit said to me, From the day-star, for here hath not yet been found that Alburion, to whom men offer prayers and kindle lights. And his name is invoked by the seven demons before me, and he cherishes them. Alburion also means from the Orient. But I said to him, Tell me his name. But he answered, I cannot tell thee. For if I tell his name, I render myself incurable, but he will come in response to his name. And on hearing this, I, Solomon, said to him, Tell me then, by what angel thou art frustrated? And he answered, By the fiery flash of lightning. And I bowed myself before the Lord God of Israel, and bade him remain in the keeping of Beelzebul until Lax should come. Some conjecture a guardian or watcher, but the angel Lax recurs below. Then I ordered another demon to come before me, and there came into my presence a hound, having a very large shape, and it spoke with a loud voice, and said, Hail, Lord King Solomon! And I, Solomon, was astounded. I said to it, Who art thou, O hound? And it answered, I do indeed seem to thee to be a hound. But before thou wast, O King Solomon, I was a man that wrought many unholy deeds on earth. I was surpassingly learned in letters, and was so mighty that I could hold the stars of heaven back and many divine works did I prepare, for I do harm to men who follow after our star, and turn them to vox nihili, and I seize the frenzied men by the larynx, and so destroy them. Vox nihili can it mean, he that is born of echo. And I, Solomon, said to him, What is thy name? And he answered, Staff, or Rabdos. And I said to him, What is thine employment? And what results canst thou achieve? And he replied, Give me thy man, and I will lead him away into a mountainous spot, and will show him a green stone tossed to and fro, with which thou mayest adorn the temple of the Lord God. 
And I, Solomon, on hearing this, ordered my servant to set off with him, and to take the finger ring bearing the seal of God with him. And I said to him, Whoever shall show thee the green stone, seal him with this finger ring, and mark the spot with care, and bring me the demon hither. And the demon showed him the green stone, and he sealed it, and brought the demon to me. Solomon decided to confine with my seal on my right hand the two the headless demon. Likewise the hound that was so huge, he should be bound as well. And I bade the hound keep safe the fiery spirit, so that lamps as it were might by day and night cast their light through its maw on the artisans at work. And I, Solomon, took from the mine of that stone two hundred shekels for the supports of the table of incense, which was similar in appearance. And I, Solomon, glorified the Lord God, and then closed round the treasure of that stone. And I ordered afresh the demons to cut marble for the construction of the house of God. And I, Solomon, prayed to the Lord, and asked the hound, saying, By what angel art thou frustrated? And the demon replied, By the great Brias. And I praised the Lord God of heaven and earth and bade another demon come forward to me. And there came before me one in the form of a lion roaring. And he stood and answered me, saying, O king, in the form which I have, I am a spirit quite incapable of being perceived. Upon all men who lie prostrate with sickness I leap, coming stealthily along. And I render the man weak, so that his habit of body is enfeebled. But I have also another glory, O king. I cast out demons, and I have legions under my control. And I am capable of being received in my dwelling places along with all the demons belonging to the legions under me. But I, Solomon, on hearing this, asked him, What is thy name? But he answered, Lion-bearer, wrath, and kind. And I said to him, How art thou to be frustrated along with thy legions? What angel is it that frustrates thee? And he answered me, If I tell thee my name, I bind not myself alone, but also the legions of demons under me. Dectico seems here to bear this sense, as also in the fragment of a very old commentary on the shepherd of Hermas and the Oxyrhynchus papyri. The dwelling places are the persons of whom the spirit, good or evil, takes possession. So in the Docetic Acta of Johannes, the Christ says, I have no dwelling and I have dwellings. I have no place and I have places. I have no temple and I have temples. Behold thyself in me who addresses thee. Back to the text. So I said to him, I adjure thee in the name of the god Sabaoth, to tell me by what name thou art frustrated along with thy host. And the spirit answered me, The great among men, who is to suffer many things at the hands of men, whose name is the figure 644, which is Emmanuel. He it is who has bound us, and who will then come and plunge us from the steep under water. He is noised abroad in the three letters which bring him down. The allusion is to the swine of Gadara and the three characters are apparently the numbers 644. And I, Solomon, on hearing this, glorified God and condemned his legion to carry wood from the thicket. And I condemned the lion-shaped one himself to saw up the wood small with his teeth, for burning in the unquenchable furnace for the temple of God. And I worshipped the Lord God of Israel, and bade another demon come forward. And there came before me a dragon, three-headed, of fearful hue. And I questioned him, Who art thou? And he answered me, I am a Caltrope-like spirit, whose activity in three lines, but I blind children in women's wombs, and twirl their ears round, and I make them deaf and mute. And I have again in my third head means of slipping in, and I smite men in the limbless part of the body, and cause them to fall down and foam and grind their teeth. But I have my own way of being frustrated, Jerusalem being signified in writing, unto the place called, Of the Head.
for there is foreappointed the angel of the great council, and now he will openly dwell on the cross. He doth frustrate me, and to him am I subject. Tribolaios, the tribolos, was a three-spiked instrument, thrown on the ground to wound horses' feet. Abuba is an unknown word, a word of doubtful sense, and the place of the head is Golgotha. The old legend was that Adam's skull reposed in this spot, and that the cross was planted upon it. But in the place where thou sittest, O King Solomon, standeth a column in the air, of purple. The demon called Phippas hath brought it up from the Red Sea, from inner Arabia. He it is that shall be shut up in a skin bottle and brought before thee. But at the entrance of the temple, which thou hast begun to build, O King Solomon, lies stored much gold, which dig thou up and carry off. And I, Solomon, sent my servant, and found it to be as the demon told me. And I sealed him with my ring and praised the Lord God. So I said to him, What art thou called? And the demon said, I am the crest of dragons. And I bade him make bricks in the temple. He had human hands. And I adored the Lord God of Israel, and bade another demon present himself. And there came before me a spirit in woman's form, that had a head without any limbs, and her hair was disheveled. And I said to her, Who art thou? But she answered, Nay, who art thou? And why dost thou want to hear concerning me? But as thou wouldst learn, here I stand bound before thy face. Go then into thy royal storehouses and wash thy hands. Then sit down afresh before thy tribunal, and ask me questions, and thou shalt learn, O king, who I am. Here we seem to have the Greek head of Medusa transformed into the demon. And I, Solomon, did as she enjoined me, and restrained myself because of the wisdom dwelling in me, in order that I might hear of her deeds and reprehend them, and manifest them to men. And I sat down, and said to the demon, What art thou? And she said, I am called among men Obizuth, and by night I sleep not, but go my rounds over all the world and visit women and childbirth. And by divining the hour I take my stand, and if I am lucky I strangle the child, but if not I retire to another place, for I cannot for a single night retire unsuccessful, for I am a fierce spirit of myriad names and many shapes, and now hither, now thither I roam, and to westering parts I go my rounds, but as it now is, Though thou hast sealed me round with the ring of God, thou hast done nothing. I am not standing before thee, and thou wilt not be able to command me. For I have no work other than the destruction of children, and the making their ears to be deaf, and the working of evil to their eyes, and the binding their mouths with a bond, and the ruin of their minds, and paining of their bodies. When I, Solomon, heard this, I marveled at her appearance, for I beheld all her body to be in darkness. But her glance was altogether bright and greeny, and her hair was tossed wildly like a dragon's, and the whole of her limbs were invisible, and her voice was very clear as it came to me. And I cunningly said, Tell me by what angel thou art frustrated, O evil spirit? By she answered me, By the angel of God called Afarat, which is interpreted Raphael, by whom I am frustrated now and for all time. His name, if any man know it, and write the same on a woman in childbirth, then I shall not be able to enter her. Of this name the number is 640. And I, Solomon, having heard this, and having glorified the Lord, ordered her hair to be bound, and that she should be hung up in front of the temple of God, that all the children of Israel, as they passed, might see it, and glorify the Lord God of Israel, who had given me this authority, with wisdom and power from God, by means of this signet. And I again ordered another demon to come before me. And it came, rolling itself along, one in appearance like to a dragon, but having the face and hands of a man. 
and all its limbs except the feet were those of a dragon, and it had wings on its back. And when I beheld it, I was astonished and said, Who art thou, demon, and what art thou called? And whence hast thou come? Tell me. And the spirit answered and said, This is the first time I have stood before thee, O King Solomon. I am a spirit made into a god among men, but now brought to naught by the ring and wisdom vouchsafed to thee by God. Now I am the so-called winged dragon, and I chamber not with many women, but only with a few that are of fair shape, which possess the name of Zuli of this star. And I pair with them in the guise of a spirit winged in form, coitum habens pernates, and she on whom I have leapt goes heavy with child, and that which is born of her becomes arrows. But since such offspring cannot be carried by men, the woman in question breaks wind. Such is my role. Suppose it then only that I am satisfied, and all the other demons molested and disturbed by thee will speak the whole truth. But those composed of fire will cause to be burned up by fire the material of the logs, which is to be collected by them for the building in the temple. And as the demon said this, I saw the spirit going forth from his mouth, and it consumed the wood of the frankincense tree, and burned up all the logs which we had placed in the temple of God. And I, Solomon, saw what the spirit had done, and I marveled. And having glorified God, I asked the dragon-shaped demon, and said, Tell me, by what angel art thou frustrated? And he answered, The great angel which has its seat in the second heaven, which is called in Hebrew, Bazazeth. And I, Solomon, having heard this, and having invoked his angel, condemned him to saw up marbles for the building of the temple of God. And I praised God, and commanded another demon to come before me. And there came before my face another spirit, as it were a woman in the form she had. But on her shoulder she had two other heads with hands. And I asked her and said, Tell me, who art thou? And she said to me, I am an Epsigos, who also have a myriad of names. And I said to her, By what angel art thou frustrated? But she said to me, What seekest? What askest thou? I undergo changes like the goddess I am called, and I change again and pass into possession of another shape. And be not desirous, therefore, to know all that concerns me. But since thou art before me for this much, hearken, I have my abode in the moon, and for that reason I possess three forms. At times I am magically invoked by the wise as Kronos. At other times, in connection with those who bring me down, I come down and appear in another shape. The measure of the element is inexplicable and indefinable, and not to be frustrated. I then, changing into these three forms, come down and become such as thou seest me. But I am frustrated by the angel Rathanael who sits in the third heaven. This, then, is why I speak to thee. Yonder temple cannot contain me. I, therefore, Solomon, prayed to my God, and I invoked the angel of whom Anepsigo spoke to me, and used my seal. And I sealed her with a triple chain, and placed beneath her the fastening of the chain. I used the seal of God, and the Spirit prophesied to me, saying, This is what thou, King Solomon, doest to us. But after a time thy kingdom shall be broken, and again in season this temple shall be riven asunder and all Jerusalem shall be undone by the king of the Persians and Medes and Chaldeans. And the vessels of this temple, which thou makest, shall be put to servile uses of the gods, and along with them all the jars, in which thou dost shut us up, shall be broken by the hands of men. And then we shall go forth in great power hither and thither, and be disseminated all over the world. And we shall lead astray the inhabited world for a long season, until the Son of God is stretched upon the cross. For never before doth arise a king like unto him, when frustrating us all, whose mother shall not have contact with man. Who else can receive such authority over spirits, 
except he whom the first devil will seek to tempt, but will not prevail over? The number of his name is 644, which is Emmanuel. Wherefore, O King Solomon, thy time is evil, and thy years short and evil, and to thy servant shall thy kingdom be given. This prophecy corresponds roughly to the one which Lactantius quotes from in the apocryphal book of Solomon. And I, Solomon, having heard this, glorified God, and though I marveled at the apology of the demons, I did not credit it until it came true, and I did not believe their words, but when they were realized, then I understood. And at my death I wrote this testament to the children of Israel, and gave it to them, so that they might know the powers of the demons, and their shapes, and the names of their angels, by which these angels are frustrated. And I glorified the Lord God of Israel, and commanded the spirits to be bound with bonds indissoluble. And having praised God, I commanded another spirit to come before me. And there came before my face another demon, having in front the shape of a horse, but behind of a fish. And he had a mighty voice, and said to me, O King Solomon, I am a fierce spirit of the sea, and I am a greedy of gold and silver. I am such a spirit as rounds itself and comes over the expanses of the water of the sea, and I trip up the men who sail thereon. For I round myself into a wave and transform myself, and then throw myself on ships and come right in on them. And that is my business and my way of getting hold of money and men. For I take the men and whirl them round with myself and hurl the men out of the sea. For I am not covetous of men's bodies, but cast them up out of the sea so far. But since Beelzebul, ruler of the spirits of air and of those under the earth, and lord of earthly ones, hath a joint kingship with us in respect of the deeds of each one of us, therefore I went up from the sea to get a certain outlook in his company. First chapter Jude 13 that Jude here indulges in no mere metaphor is clear from the words which follow, which embody the belief detailed in the testament of Solomon of the descent or spiritual assault. But I also have another character and role. I metamorphose myself into waves and come up from the sea. And I show myself to men, so that those on earth call me Kunos, passed on, because I assume the human form, and my name is a true one. For by my passage up into men, I send forth a certain nausea. I came then to take counsel with the prince Beelzebul, and he bound me and delivered me into thy hands. And I am here before thee because of this seal, and thou dost now torment me. Behold, now, in two or three days, the spirit that converses with thee will fail, because I shall have no water. And I said to him, Tell me, by what angel thou art frustrated? And he answered, By Lameth. And I glorified God. I commanded the spirit to be thrown into a phial, along with ten jugs of seawater of two measures each. And I sealed them round above the marbles and asphalt and pitch in the mouth of the vessel. And having sealed it with my ring, I ordered it to be deposited in the temple of God and I ordered another spirit to come before me. And there came before my face another enslaved spirit, having obscurely the form of a man with gleaming eyes, and bearing in his hand a blade. And I asked, Who art thou? But he answered, I am a lascivious spirit, engendered of a giant man who dies in the massacre in the time of the giants. I said to him, Tell me what thou art employed on upon earth, and where thou hast thy dwelling. And he said, my dwelling is in fruitful places, but my procedure is this. I seat myself beside the men who pass along among the tombs, and in untimely season I assume the form of the dead. And if I catch anyone, I at once destroy him with my sword. But if I cannot destroy him, I cause him to be possessed with a demon, and to devour his own flesh, and the hair to fall off his chin. But I said to him, Do thou then be in fear of the God of heaven and of earth, and, and tell me by angel thou art frustrated. And he answered, He destroys me who is to become Savior, a man whose number, if anyone shall write it on his forehead, 
he will defeat me, and in fear I shall quickly retreat. And indeed, if anyone write this sign on him, I shall be in fear. And I, Solomon, on hearing this, and having glorified the Lord God, shut up this demon like the rest. The number he's talking about is 644, the number Emmanuel, which is Jesus. And I, Solomon, on hearing this, and having glorified the Lord God, shut up this demon like the rest. And I commanded another demon to come before me, and there came before my face thirty-six spirits, their heads shapeless like dogs, but in themselves they were human in form, with faces of asses, faces of oxen, and faces of birds. And I, Solomon, on hearing and seeing them, wondered, and I asked them and said, Who are you? But they, of one accord with one voice, said, We are the thirty-six elements, the world rulers, of this darkness. But, O King Solomon, thou wilt not wrong us, nor imprison us, nor lay command on us. But since the Lord God has given thee authority over every spirit in the air, and on the earth, and under the earth, therefore do we also present ourselves before thee like the other spirits, from ram and bull, from both twin and crab, lion and virgin, scales and scorpion, archer, goat-horned, water-pourer and fish. The Cosmocrators then I, Solomon, invoked the name of the Lord Sabaoth, and questioned each in turn as to what was its character, and I bade each one come forward and tell of its actions. Then the first one came forward and said, I am the first decans of the zodiacal circle, and I am called the Ram, and with me are these two. So I put to them the question, Who are ye called? The first said, I, O Lord, am called Ruax, and I cause the heads of men to be idle, and I pillage their brows. But let me only hear the words, Michael, imprison Ruax, and at once I retreat. And the second said, I am called Barsaphiel, and I cause those who are subject to my hour to feel the pain of migraine. If only I hear the words, Gabriel, imprison Barsaphiel, at once I retreat. The third said, I am called Erotosile, I do harm to eyes and grievously injure them. Only let me hear the words, Uriel, imprison Aratosile, at once I retreat. The fifth said, I am called Ludal, and I bring about a block in the ears and deafness of hearing. If I hear, Uruel, Ludal, I at once retreat. The sixth said, I am called Svendonile, I cause tumors of the parotid gland, and inflammations of the tonsils, and tetanic recurvation. If I hear, Sabrael, imprison Svendonile, at once I retreat. And the seventh said, I am called Sphandor, and I weaken the strength of the shoulders, and cause them to tremble. And I paralyze the nerves of the hands, and I break and bruise the bones of the neck. And I, I suck out the marrow, but if I hear the words, Ariel imprisoned Sphandor, I at once retreat. And the eighth said, I am called Belbel, I distort the hearts and minds of men. If I hear the words, Ariel, imprison Belbel, I at once retreat. And the ninth said, I am called Kurtiel. I send colics in the bowels. I induce pains. If I hear the words, Laoth, imprison Kurtiel, I at once retreat. The tenth said, I am called Metathiax. I cause the reins to ache. If I hear the words, Adoniel, imprison Metathiax, I at once retreat. The eleventh said, I am called Katonicotile. I create strife and wrongs in men's homes, and send on them hard temper. 
If anyone would be at peace in his home, let him write on seven leaves of laurel the name of the angel that frustrates me, along with these names, Lay, Lai, Leo, sons of Sabaoth. In the name of the great God, let him shut up, Katanakotayo. Then let him wash the laurel leaves in water and sprinkle his house with the water from within to the outside. And at once I retreat. The twelfth said, I am called Saphatharael, and I inspire partisanship in men, and delight in causing them to stumble. If anyone will write on paper these names of angels, Lako, Lialo, Loelet, Sabaoth, Ithoth, Bai, and having folded it up, wear it round his neck or against his ear, I at once retreat and dissipate the drunken fit. The thirteenth said, I am called Bobel and I cause nervous illness by my assaults. If I hear the name of the great Adonael imprison Bothothel, I at once retreat. The fourteenth said, I am called Kumeatel, and I inflict shivering fits and torpor. If only I hear the words Zoroel imprison Kumentile, I at once retreat. The fifteenth said, I am called Roeled. I cause cold and frost and pain in the stomach. Let me only hear the words Lax bide not, be not warmed, for Solomon is fairer than eleven fathers. I at once retreat. The sixteenth said, I am called Atrax. I inflict upon men fevers, irremediable and harmful. If you would imprison me, chop up coriander and smear it on the lips, reciting the following charm. The fever which is from dirt, I exercise thee by the throne of the Most High. God, retreat from dirt and retreat from the creature fashioned by God. And at once I retreat. The seventeenth said, I am called Leropile. On the stomach of men I sit and cause convulsions in the bath and in the road and wherever I be found, or find a man. I throw him down. But if anyone will say to the afflicted into their ear these names three times over, into the right ear, Luterize, Sabune, Denue, I at once retreat. The eighteenth said, I am called Bulgumac. I separate wife from husband and bring about a grudge between them. If anyone write down the names of thy sires, Solomon, on paper, and place it in the antechamber of his house, I retreat thence. And the legend written shall be as follows. The God of Abram, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob commands thee, Retire from this house in peace, and I at once retire. The nineteenth said, I am called Naoth, and I take my seat on the knees of men. If anyone write on paper, Fnunoboel, Depart Nathath, and touch thou not the neck, I at once retreat. The twentieth said, I am called Mardero, I send on men incurable fever. If anyone write on the leaf of a book, Svener, Raphael, retire, drag me not about, flay me not, and tie it round his neck, I at once retreat. The twenty-first said, I am called Alath, and I cause coughing and hard breathing in children. If anyone write on paper, Rorex, do thou pursue Alath and fasten it round his neck, I at once retire. The twenty-third said, I am called Nathada. I cause the reins to ache, and I bring about dishery. If anyone write on a plate of tin the words, Lathoth, Yeruel, Nathada, and fasten it round the loins, I at once retreat. The twenty-fourth said, I am called Acton. I cause ribs and lumbic muscles to ache. If one engrave on copper material taken from a ship which has missed its anchorage, this, Marmaroth, Sabaoth, pursue Acton, 
and fasten it round the loin, I at once retreat. The twenty-fifth said, I am called Enetreth, and I rend burnings and fevers into the entrails. But if I hear Arara, Charara, instantly do I retreat. The twenty-sixth said, I am called Enenuth. I steal away men's minds, and change their hearts, and make a man's toothless. If one write, Alazul, pursue Enenuth, and tie the paper round him, I at once retreat. The twenty-seventh said, I am called Feth. I make men consumptive and cause hemorrhagia. If one exercise me in wine, sweet-smelling and unmixed by the eleventh eon, and say, I exercise thee by the eleventh eon to stop, I demand Feth, Axiopheth, then give it to the patient to drink, and I at once retreat. The twenty-eighth said, I am called Harpax, and I send sleeplessness on men. If one write, Kofnedismos, and bind it round the temples, I at once retire. The twenty-ninth said, I am called Enoster. I engender uterine mania and pains in the bladder. If one powder into pure oil three seeds of laurel, and smear it on, saying, I exercise thee, Anoster, stop by Marmorau, at once I retreat. The thirtieth said, I am called Elebereth. If in eating fish one has swallowed a bone, then he must take a bone from the fish and cough, and at once I retreat. The thirty-first said, I am called Hephesimereth, and cause lingering disease. If you throw salt, rubbed in the hand, into oil, and smear it on the patient, saying, Seraphim, cherubim, help me, I at once retire. The thirty-second said, I am called Ichthion. I paralyze muscles and contuse them. If I hear, Adoniath, help, I at once retire. The thirty-third said, I am called Agchonion. I lie among swaddling clothes and in the precipice, and if anyone write on fig leaves, like Kurjos, taking away one letter at a time, and write it reversing the letters, I retire at once. The thirty-fourth said, I am called Atothith. I caused grudges and fighting. Therefore I am frustrated by Alpha and Omega, if written down. The thirty-fifth said, I am called Thenoth. I cast evil eye on every man. Therefore the eye much suffering, if it be drawn, frustrates me. The thirty-sixth said, I am called Bionicith. I have a grudge against the body. I lay waste houses. I cause flesh to decay, and all else that is similar. If a man write on the front door of his house, Melto, Ardu, Anath, I flee from that place. And I, Solomon, when I heard this, glorified the God of heaven and earth, and I commanded them to fetch water in the temple of God. And I furthermore prayed to the Lord God to cause demons without that hamper humanity, to be bound and made to approach the temple of God. Some of these demons I condemned to do the heavy work of the construction of the temple of God. Others I shut up in prisons. Others I ordered to wrestle with fire in the making of gold and silver, sitting down by lead and spoon, and to make ready places for the other demons in which they should be confined. And I, Solomon, had much quiet in all the earth, and spent my life in profound peace, honored by all men and by all under heaven, and built the entire temple of the Lord of God. And my kingdom was prosperous, and my army was with me. And for the rest the city of Jerusalem had repose, rejoicing and delighted. And all the kings of the earth came to me from the ends of the earth to behold the temple which I builded to the Lord God.
and having heard of the wisdom given to me, they did homage to me in the temple, bringing gold and silver and precious stones, many and diverse, and bronze and iron and lead and cedar logs, and woods decay not they brought me, for the equipment of the temple of God. And among them also the queen of the south, being a witch, came in great concern, and bowed low before me to the earth. And having heard my wisdom, she glorified the God of Israel. And she made formal trial of all my wisdom, of all love in which I instructed her, according to the wisdom imparted to me. And all the sons of Israel glorified God. And behold, in those days one of the workmen, of ripe old age, threw himself down before me and said, King Solomon, pity me, because I am old. So I bade him stand up, and said, Tell me, old man, all you will. And he answered, I beseech you, king, I have an only-born son. And he insults and beats me openly, and plucks out the hair of my head, and threatens me with a painful death. Therefore I beseech you, avenge me. And I, Solomon, on hearing this, felt compunction as I looked at his old age, and I bade the child be brought to me. And when he was brought, I questioned him whether it were true. And the youth said, I was not so filled with madness as to strike my father with my hand. Be kind to me, O king, for I have not dared to commit such impiety, poor wretch that I am. But I, Solomon, on hearing this from the youth, exhorted the old man to reflect on the matter, and accept his son's apology. However, he would not, but said he would rather let him die. And as the old man would not yield, I was about to pronounce sentence on the youth, when I saw Ornias the demon laughing. I was very angry at the demons laughing in my presence, and I ordered my men to remove the other parties, and bring forward Ornias before my tribunal. And when he was brought before me, I said to him, Accursed one, why didst thou look at me and laugh? And the demon answered, Prithee, king, it was not because of thee I laughed, but because of this ill-starred old man and the wretched youth, his son. For after three days his son will die untimely and lo, the old man desires to foully make away with him. But I, Solomon, having heard this, said to the demon, Is that true that thou speakest? And he answered, It is true, O king. And I, on hearing that, bade them remove the demon, and that they should again bring before me the old man with his son. I bade them make friends with one another again, and I supplied them with food. And then I told the old man after three days to bring his son again to me here. And said I, I will attend to him. And they saluted me and went their way. And when they were gone, I ordered Ornias to be brought forward, and said to him, Tell me how you know this. And he answered, We demons ascend into the firmament of heaven, and fly about among the stars. And we hear the sentences which go forth upon the souls of men, and forthwith we come, and whether by force of influence, or by fire, or by sword, or by some accident, we veil our act of destruction. And if a man does not die by some untimely disaster or by violence, then we demons transform ourselves in such a way as to appear to men and be worshipped in our human nature. I therefore, having heard this, glorified the Lord God, and again I questioned the demon, saying, Tell me how ye can ascend into heaven being demons, and amidst the stars and holy angels intermingle. And he answered, Just as things are fulfilled in heaven, so also on earth are fulfilled the types of all of them. For there are principalities, authorities, world rulers, and we demons fly about in the air, and we hear the voices of the heavenly beings, and survey all the powers, and as having no ground basis on which to alight and rest, we lose strength and fall off like leaves from trees, and men seeing us imagine that the stars are falling from heaven. But it is not really so, O king, 
but we fall because of our weakness, and because we have nowhere anything to lay hold of, and so we fall down like lightnings in the depth of night and suddenly. And we set cities in flames and fire the fields, for the stars have firm foundations in the heaven like the sun and the moon. Hebrews 8, 5, 2, Romans 8, 38, 3, Luke 10, 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And I, Solomon, having heard this, ordered the demon to be guarded for five days. And after the five days I recalled the old man, and was about to question him. But he came to me in grief and with black face. And I said to him, Tell me, old man, where is thy son? And what means this garb? And he answered, Lo, I am become childless, and sit by my son's grave in despair. For it is already two days that he is dead. But I, Solomon, on hearing that, and knowing that the demon Ornias had told me the truth, glorified the God of Israel. And the Queen of the South saw all this, and marveled, glorifying the God of Israel. And she beheld the temple of the Lord being builded, and she gave a seaclose of gold, and one hundred myriads of silver and choice bronze. And she went into the temple, and she beheld the altar of incense and the brazen supports of this altar, and the gems of the lamps flashing forth of different colors, and of the lampstand of stone and of emerald, and hyacinth, and sapphire. And she beheld the vessels of gold, and silver, and bronze, and wood, and the folds of skins dyed red with matter. And she saw the bases of the pillars of the temple of the Lord. All were of one gold, and all were happy, apart from the demons whom I condemned to labor. And there was peace in the circle of my kingdom, and over all the earth. And it came to pass, which I was in my kingdom, the king of the Arabians, Adare sent me a letter, and the writing of the letter was written as follows. To King Solomon, all hail! Lo, we have heard, and it hath been heard unto all the ends of the earth, concerning the wisdom vouchsafe in thee, and that thou art a man merciful from the Lord, and understanding hath been granted thee over all the spirits of the air, and on earth, and under the earth. Now forasmuch as there is present in the land of Arabia a spirit of the following kind, at early dawn there begins to blow a certain wind until the third hour, and its blast is harsh and terrible, and it slays man and beast, and no spirit can live upon earth against this demon. I pray thee then, for as much as the spirit is a wind, contrive something according to the wisdom given in thee by the Lord thy God, and deign to send a man able to capture it. And behold, King Solomon, I and my people and all my land will serve thee unto death, and all Arabia shall be at peace with thee if thou wilt perform this act of righteousness for us. Wherefore we pray thee, condemn not our humble prayer, and suffer not to be utterly brought to naught the eparchy subordinated to thy authority, because we are suppliants, both I and my people, and all my land. Farewell to my Lord, all health. And I, Solomon, read this epistle, and I folded it up and gave it to my people, and said to them, After seven days shalt thou remind me of this epistle. And Jerusalem was built, and the temple was being completed. And there was a stone, the end stone of the corner, lying there, great, chosen out. One which I desired lay in the head of the corner of the completion of the temple. And all the workmen, and all the demons helping them, came to the same place to bring up the stone and lay it on the pinnacle of the holy temple. And were not strong enough to stir it, and lay it upon the corner allotted to it, for that stone was exceedingly great and useful for the corner of the temple. And after seven days, being reminded of the epistle of Adares, king of Arabia, I called my servant and said to him, 
Order thy camel, and take for thyself a leather flask, and take also this seal, and go away into Arabia to the place in which the evil spirit blows. And there take the flask and the signet ring in front of the mouth of the flask, and hold them towards the blast of the spirit. And when the flask is blown out, thou wilt understand that a demon is in it. Then hastily tie up the mouth of the flask, and seal it securely with the seal ring, and lay it carefully on the camel, and bring it me hither. And if on the way it offer thee gold, or silver, or treasure, in return for letting it go, see that thou be not persuaded, but arrange without using oath to release it. And then if it point out to the places where are gold or silver, mark the places and seal them with this seal, and bring the demon to me. And now depart, and fare thee well. Then the youth did as was bidden him, and he ordered his camel, and laid on it a flask, and set off into Arabia. And the men of that region would not believe that he would be able to catch the evil spirit. And when it was dawn, the servant stood before the spirit's blast, and laid the flask on the ground, and the finger ring on the mouth of the flask. And the demon blew through the middle of the finger ring into the mouth of the flask, and going in blew out the flask. But the man promptly stood up to it and drew tight with his hand mouth of the flask, in the name of the Lord God of Sabaoth. And the demon remained within the flask. And after that the youth remained in that land three days to make trial, and the spirit no longer blew against that city. And all the Arabs knew that he had safely shut in the spirit. Then the youth fastened the flask on the camel, and the Arabs sent him forth on his way, with much honor and precious gifts, praising and magnifying the God of Israel. But the youth brought in the bag and laid it in the middle of the temple. And on the next day I, King Solomon, went into the temple of God and sat in deep distress about the stone of the end of the corner. And when I entered the temple, the flask stood up and walked around some seven steps, and then fell on its mouth and did homage to me. And I marveled that even along with the bottle, the demon still had power and could walk about. And I commanded it to stand up. And the flask stood up, and stood on its feet all blown out. And I questioned him, saying, Tell me, who art thou? And the spirit within said, I am the demon called Ephipas, that is in Arabia. And I said to him, Is this thy name? And he answered, Yes. Wheresoever I will, I alight and set fire and do to death. And I said to him, By what angel art thou frustrated? And he answered, By the only ruling God, that hath authority over me even to be heard. He that is to be born of a virgin and crucified by the Jews on a cross, whom the angels and archangels worship. He doth frustrate me, and enfeeble me of my great strength, which has been given me by my father the devil. And I said to him, What canst thou do? And he answered, I am able to remove the mountains, to overthrow the oaths of kings. I wither trees and make their leaves to fall off. And I said to him, Canst thou raise this stone, and lay it for the beginning of this corner, which exists in the fair plan of the temple? And he said, Not only raise this, O king, but also with the help of the demon who presides over the Red Sea, I will bring up the pillar of air, and will stand it where thou wilt, in Jerusalem. Saying this, I laid stress on him, and the flask became as if depleted of air, and I placed it under the stone, and the spirit girded himself up, and lifted it up top of the flask, and the flask went up the steps carrying the stone, and laid it down at the end of the entrance of the temple. And I, Solomon, beholding the stone raised aloft and placed on a foundation, said, Truly the scripture is fulfilled, which says, The stone which the builders rejected on trial, that same is become the head of the corner. For this it is not mine to grant, 
but God's, that the demon should be strong enough to lift up so great a stone and deposit it in the place I wished. Note. So his quote there, the stone which the builders rejected on trial is become the head of the corner is really about Jesus. Uh, and the reason that it's Jesus is because the builders, which is the Jews, rejected him on trial. And he becomes the, the head of the cornerstone. And that's why that spirit mentioned that it's only Jesus that confounds him. And Ephipas led the demon of the Red Sea with the column, and they both took the column and raised it aloft from the earth. And I outwitted these two spirits, so that they could not shake the entire earth in a moment of time. Then I sealed round with my ring on this side and that, and said, Watch. And the spirits have remained upholding it until this day, for proof of the wisdom vouchsafed to me. And there the pillar was hanging of enormous size, in mid-air supported by the winds. And thus the spirits appeared underneath like air supporting it. And if one looks fixedly, the pillar is a little oblique, being supported by the spirits. And it is so today. And I Solomon questioned the other spirit, which came up with the pillar from the depth of the Red Sea. And I said to him, Who art thou, and what calls thee, and what is thy business? For I hear many things about thee. And the demon answered, I, O King Solomon, am called Abazithabad. I am a descendant of the archangel. Once, as I sat in the first heaven, of which the name is Ameliuth, I then am a fierce spirit and winged, and with a single wing plotting against every spirit under heaven. I was present when Moses went in before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and I hardened his heart. I am he who Lannes and Lambres invoked horning with Moses in Egypt. I am he who fought against Moses with wonders with signs. If we had the Apocrypha of Lannes and Lambres, we would understand the reference. I said therefore to him, How wast thou found in the Red Sea? And he answered, In the exodus of the sons of Israel I hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and I excited his heart and that of his ministers, and I caused them to pursue after the children of Israel. And Pharaoh followed with me and all the Egyptians. Then I was present there, and we followed together, and we all came up upon the Red Sea. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel had crossed over, the water returned and hid all the host of the Egyptians and all their might. And I remained in the sea, being kept under this pillar. But when Ephipas came, being sent by thee, shut up in the vessel of a flask, he fetched me up to thee. I, therefore, Solomon, having heard this, glorified God and adjured the demons not to disobey me, but to remain supporting the pillar. And they both swear, saying, the Lord thy God liveth, we will not let go this pillar until the world's end. But on whatever day this stone fall, then shall be the end of the world. This legend of the heavy cornerstone and of the spirit supporting a column in the temple reappears in the Georgian Acts of Nuna. And I, Solomon, glorified God, and adorned the temple of the Lord with all fair seeming. And I was glad in spirit in my kingdom, and there was peace in my days. And I took wives of my own from every land who were numberless. And I marched against the Jebuseans, and there I saw a Jebusean, daughter of a man, and fell violently in love with her, and desired to take her to wife along with my other wives. And I said to their priests, Give me the Sonmanites, Shunammite, to wife. But the priests of Moloch said to me, If thou lovest this maiden, go in and worship our gods, the great god Raphan, and the god called Moloch. I therefore was in fear of the glory of God, and did not follow to worship. 
And I said to them, I will not worship a strange god. What is this proposal that ye compel me to do so much? But they said, By our fathers. And when I answered that I would on no account worship strange gods, they told the maiden not to sleep with me until I complied and sacrificed to the gods. I then was moved, but crafty arrows brought and laid by her for me five grasshoppers, saying, Take these grasshoppers and crush them together in the name of the god Moloch, and then will I sleep with you. And this I actually did. And at once the spirit of God departed from me, and I became weak as well as foolish in my words. And after that I was obliged by her to build a temple of idols to Baal, and to Rapha, and to Moloch, and to the other idols. I then, wretch that I am, followed her advice, and the glory of God quite departed from me, and my spirit was darkened, and I became the sport of idols and demons. Wherefore I wrote out this testament, that ye who got possession of it may pity, and attend to the last things, and not to the first so that ye may find grace for ever and ever. Amen.